Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On behalf of the Warren family, I want to welcome you all to this worship service, service in which we offer worship unto our great God and King as we remember his unceasing love and kindness to his dear child, John. John McKnight, Warren Jr. of Fayetteville, North Carolina, passed away peacefully early Sunday morning, May 28, 2023. His loving wife was by his bedside. John was born November 12, 1946, to the late John McKnight Warren and Lillian Charlotte Havlicek of Miami, Florida. John is survived by his beloved wife, Mary Beth Warren, his daughter, Lydia Warren Roberts, and her children, William Warren Roberts and Charles Stewart Roberts II, his son, David Wesley Warren, his wife, Johnny Warren, and their children, Ryan and Kaylee Warren, survived also by his late eldest sister's children, Julie Christie Neal and Frank Barone, his late younger brother, Frank Warren's wife, Sherry, and their children, Mac, Ben, and Candace, their spouses and their children. John is also survived by his brother, William Warren, his wife, Linda, and their children, Jessica, Rachel, Christopher, and their children. He is also survived by Jeannie Roddy, John's youngest sister, her husband, Jack Roddy, and their two sons, Peter and Thomas Roddy, Thomas's wife, Rachel, and their children. John was preceded in death by his son, John Howard Warren, oldest sister, Julie Hampton, younger brother, Frank Warren, his niece, Sienna Howe, and several loving cousins and their children. John was a devoted husband, father, grandfather, educator, businessman, Presbyterian minister, and cherished friend to many. His gregarious spirit and vibrancy filled every room he entered. With a twinkle in his eye, he never missed an opportunity to share a quick joke and brighten everyone's day. He also lived with a deep conviction, embodying the Christian values he held dear. He fought the good fight, battling kidney disease for the last eight years of his life. His perseverance inspired everyone who knew him. John was one of five children. Growing up in Miami, Florida, he developed a love for boating, water skiing, and always enjoyed playing various sports. He received a basketball scholarship to Bellhaven College in Jackson, Mississippi, where he would meet the love of his life, Mary Beth Owens. After they both graduated from Bellhaven, they married, and John served as an elementary principal before pursuing his master's in education. He then pursued a career in business, and his exceptional work at CTB McGraw-Hill earned him multiple awards and accolades. However, John felt a higher calling and went back to studying, devoting three years of his life to seminary and earning a divinity degree. He had a very large personal theological library. In 2022, he edited and republished a book, two volumes on Psalm 119, originally published by Charles Bridges in 1827. For over 30 years, he served as a Presbyterian minister, impacting countless lives through his marriage and family counseling, officiating weddings, conducting funerals and baptisms. His genuine love for people enabled him to help many. Mary Beth and John would have had their wedding anniversary June 12th, and it would have been 54 years. John's memory will forever be cherished by family and friends. May we keep his legacy of love, joy, and unwavering faith in our hearts always. Hear now the call to worship from Psalm 116, verses 115 to 119. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. 
I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. O God, you who are our God and our Father's God, you whose compassions fail not, but who are the same yesterday, today, and forever, grant us now your presence, we ask you, that our souls may be strengthened and that we faint not under your afflicting providence, but that through your condescension we may find all grace to help in this our time of need, which we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit we ascribe all honor, majesty, and might, world without end. Amen. Let's turn in our hymnals to 84. Stand, if able, and sing, Under the care of my God, the Almighty.
be seated. To God be the glory. Returning now to scriptures which John loved. John had as high a view of scripture as it is possible for mortal man to have. He loved the word of God, preached the word of God. And these verses selected by Mary Beth and the family speak well of the comfort and the peace in which John would want us to be worshiping our Lord today. From, 20, from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And from the 27th Psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, have come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, O Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart, 
Wait, I say, on the Lord. And then from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The word of the Lord. Psalms are, are full of a psalmist's pleas for comfort, kindness, protection. And the Lord never fails because great is his faithfulness to care for his people. And let us stand and sing hymn number 32 Great is thy faithfulness.
Please join me in a word of prayer. Kind and gracious Heavenly Father, how we do thank Thee for Thy presence today. I thank You for a great brother-in-law, for a great family of brothers and sisters, which adopted me into their hearts. I appreciate today the way you have loved on us through John, the way you have made known yourself to us in so many ways through his loving kindness. Our gratitude for his steadfastness in the gospel our gratitude for his consistent, sacrificial love. Our gratitude for his ability to teach, and to instruct, and to encourage, to admonish, and to provide. Thank you, O Lord, today for all the ways you have loved us through him. Thank you that, O Lord, today we may rejoice in his gain when he entered the everlasting halls of heaven, claiming those promises that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, claiming those promises that today when a child of God passes from this life, it is not even a breath or the blink of an eye but that they are with you in paradise. Thank you, O Father, For the assurance of your peace and your grace, we pray for Mary Beth, for Lydia and for David, for all the family, for Bill and for Jeannie, for each and every one whose hearts are afflicted with grief. As Jesus cried at the tomb of Lazarus, we can can know and claim that you understand our griefs. And you are with us, claiming the promises that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear evil. Living in this fallen world that we do, we are already delivered into victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We not only have the hope of heaven, but we are assured that we are already living on the victory side of life, on the glorious side of immortality, and for that we are so grateful. Father, we come before you today to open our hearts to the ministry of thy word, which shall be declared to us in just a few moments for Pastor Mock. We pray that as we open our hearts and receive that eternal living word into our souls, that we will be profited to remember that we have but a short time in comparison to eternity, to live our lives here. As John's journey is completed and he is enjoying glory, we understand that you are still working with us. You have not made it that we could be spared all the griefs of life, all the concerns and the trials and tribulations and cares of this world, but you have made it so that we can have victory and perseverance and endurance through all these things. For greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And you are still working with us. And we thank you that you have revealed to us that 
You have made it so that we can cast all of our griefs and our cares upon our Lord Jesus Christ, that we can find in him peace and grace to go forward. We do pray that for each and every one, the family, friends today. Most of all, we are thankful for the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have the forgiveness of our sins and the assurance of everlasting life, and pray that we might appreciate and claim those promises that you have made it so that we can not only cast our griefs and our cares upon him, but our sins as well, and find forgiveness for all of our sins and deliverance from death into life, and the assurance that eternal life is ours through Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. At this time, the Warren family would like to open up uh, an opportunity for people to come and, and reflect, to say a word in thankfulness to God for John, so that time is, is now. If you want to, you can come on up here to this microphone. Hi, I am um, John's daughter, Lydia, and I just wanted to say a few things about him to honor his life. Um, my dad was one of a kind, if you knew him. He made everyone laugh. Um, jokes were constant. In fact, one of his best ones was visiting people in the hospital. As he was leaving, he would say, all right, good to see you. And you know, if you need me, I'll call you. <laughs> They'd shake their heads. That's Sean. He was also very serious about his faith in God. He said after every sermon for years, the Bible verse, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Isaiah 48. He was always teaching. He asked me one time, Lydia, what is the opposite of death? Most people would say life, but dad had learned in theological studies, it is birth. Jesus, through his birth and death, gave us life. Birth is key. Birth of thought, learning, and growing to, the, to be the best light in this world that we can be. Descriptions of my dad from my boys in his grandfather's stage. Lighthearted, comical, you felt relaxed around him. Always in a good mood. Not so much when he was sick, but even then he left many friends at the kidney dialysis center he visited three times a week. Even in the ICU with a huge mask enclosing half his face, he was making funny faces by crossing his eyes and making us laugh. If you didn't know him, I wish you did. If you did, I know you will miss him immensely too. We have hope and peace knowing he is in heaven with my brother Johnny and several wonderful relatives and friends. So thank you all for being here. We appreciate it. Hello, everyone. My name is David Warren, uh, John's youngest son. Uh, the one thing that I'd like to share with you today is one of the things that always brought comfort to me. And uh, after 
every one of my father's sermons that I sat in growing up, he would read, uh, he would give the blessing, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I've heard that so many times, and just remembering that brings me a lot of peace right now as he's gone. Because I know that that goes out from his heart to all of his family and all of his friends and everyone who he's ever had a chance to minister to. He was full of love, and all that love was from the Lord. And that's what exactly what he would tell you as well. And thank you all for being here today. Excuse me. I was, my name is Vanessa Evans. Um, I was Mr. Warren's caregiver. And knowing him, the amount of time that I did, it was a pleasure and an honor. He taught me things. Being prepared. And the one thing I do miss, walking through his door, he will always say, good morning, Vanessa. You know, he was a high-spirited person. He accepted me as family. He accepted my daughter. He spent time with her. I brought her to work sometimes, you know, and, you know, just to lift their spirits. And she is a pleasure to even be around. But he was a good man. He was, and I can only appreciate the family for knowing you all, and he's in a better place. He's not suffering anymore. Thank you. a sample of the many testimonies that we could hear for days, no doubt. Let us turn in our hymn supplement to 69, stand and sing, Rise Up, O Men of God. Thank you. 
standing and turning your Bibles to Psalm 119. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to turn to one, there is one just below you. In front of you is a blue English Standard Version that is available for you to pick up. It'll be Psalm 119. I'll read the first seven verses or first eight verses. And before we hear God's word read, let's go to him in prayer. Oh God, we humble ourselves before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a light for us. It is a lamp for our feet. We pray that by your light you will guide us into a greater, deeper knowledge of you and then worship of your holy, glorious, gracious name. Amen. Hear now the word of God, Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. That word of God. Amen. You may be seated. As we know, our beloved John lived a long time. It would be unwise of us to try to summarize the, the man's life, his love for his family, and his great ministry to many in just a short period of time. Not only would it be foolish to do so, but a summary would also go against his own wishes. The man who preached countless funerals himself would surely want this weak preacher to make the main thing the main thing, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God. And in order to do that, I'd like to bring you into John's study for a bit. Less than a year before John went to be home with the Lord, he finished a project, something that was mentioned in the obituary. It was a project that took him many years, many painstaking hours and much squinting of the eyes. But as he says... Encouraged by his Aunt Millie and lovingly supported by his wife of almost 54 years, he pressed on, he persevered, and he completed this project. This work that was devoted to pastors, teachers, evangelists, and all who would teach the Word of God to people. And if you don't know what this project is, let me tell you. It is an amplified English edition on a book that the Lord used to change John's life for decades to come. Dr. Charles Bridges, who was a 19th century preacher and scholar, wrote a book on Psalm 119. When he was only 33 years old, this man wrote a book on the longest psalm of the Bible. The only problem, as John saw it, was that the language was outdated for a modern audience. It was fit for the time, for the 19th century, but it would not do, according to John, for a modern audience, and for those, who's, um, for, those, uh, those uh, for whom English is a second language. 
because he, ex he wanted his work to be given to them as well, that they would understand. Bridges' explanation of Psalm 119 for John was like a balm for the wounded heart. And so not wishing that this book would be lost to generations of readers, John endeavored to explain or to clarify Bridges' explanation. And in this process, John's mind was occupied with the God of Psalm 119. It really wasn't about Bridges, but about God. The psalm, sometimes called the psalm on the law of God, should be better understood as the psalm of the God of the law. And through the law, through his word, God reveals himself to us. God reveals himself to sinners through his law. The psalmist wants us to know God through his law, through his word. And when we come to this word law, we may have too narrow an understanding, thinking perhaps that it refers only to the do's and don'ts in the Bible. Maybe the book of Leviticus or the book of Deuteronomy comes to mind when you hear the word law. And certainly it ought to. But the word here and its other alternatives like testimonies, precepts, statutes, commands, rules, words, promises, these all help us to arrive at what God is saying, that God reveals himself to people, to his image bearers. And we desire the words of our friends and family, surely. Can you imagine living life without speaking to someone or without them speaking to you? Can you imagine being in a marriage where you've agreed in year one never to speak to each other? We wonder what a marriage of almost 54 years would have been like for John and Mary, Beth, and if they hadn't spoken to each other. Well, it likely wouldn't have lasted over a half a century. This is what the psalmist is driving at. What a treasure it is. What a blessedness it is to hear from God, to hear him speak to you through his word. And who is this God who has graciously given his word to us? And I wonder if you know him. He is the eternally blessed one in whose ways are blameless all who walk. He is the one by whose power of the word creates the world out of nothing. I wonder if you know him. He is the one by whose word holds together all of his creation. He is the one robed in purity who can keep a young man pure in his way. I wonder if you know him. He is the Holy One of Israel, whose eyes cannot look upon worthless things. He is the Lord, who teaches his image bearers his delightful ways. I wonder if you know him. He is the all-wise one, who gives understanding to those who seek him. He is the one whose steadfast love comes to those he has promised to be his own. I wonder if you know him. He is the one whose righteousness leads to life. Do you know this ever-blessed one, this ever-blessing one? Do you know him as creator? Do you, do you know him only as the creator? Is it your attitude, is it your belief that he has brought you into this world and that is all he was good for? And that's all the relationship you want with him. Or do you say with Job, the Lord gave 
and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is what John knew. This is the one whom John knew. This is the one who knew John. I wonder if you know him. Do you know him not only as creator, but as sustainer as well? Perhaps you view him only as one who has sustained you, that he has given you breath each day, and as as long as you don't mess anything up, as long as you don't do anything foolish, he'll, he'll just keep you alive. Is this how you know him? Or do you say with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Or do you say with John's beloved wife, just days after her husband's arrival into glory, when she was asked, how are you doing? She says, I'm okay. It's hard. But the Lord is sustaining me. This is what John knew. This is the one whom John knew. Indeed, this is the one who knew John. Do you know him as creator? Do you know him as sustainer? Do you know him as redeemer? Do you know him as one who has brought you out of the kingdom of darkness and has ushered you into the kingdom of light, into the marvelous kingdom of the Son of God? Or perhaps even now you are hard-hearted, bitter at God for what he has supposedly done or what he has supposedly not done. Or perhaps you are simply enjoying earthly pleasures and you have no thought of eternal delights. The psalmist in verse 94 says, simply but truly, I am yours. Save me. This is what John knew. This is the one whom John knew. This is the one who knew John. And I wonder if you know him And if you don't know him in these ways as creator, as sustainer, and especially as your redeemer, then hear even now Jesus' call to come unto him, to find rest for your wearied souls, and to find forgiveness of your sins. No man knows when the Lord will take him off this earth of his. The Lord gives, the Lord takes. And as long as today is called today, Scripture says, hear his voice. Today is the day of salvation, says the Lord. And if you know him, still hear his voice as your creator, as your sustainer, as your redeemer. Hear him say, even now, you are mine. I have saved you. You're my child. God reveals our need of him through his law. To whom does he reveal himself? He reveals himself to sinners in desperate need of his grace. In truth, 
The psalmist over and again professes his commitment to the word of God, to the law of God. He confesses in verse 25 that as a son of Adam, his soul clings to the dust. But as a son of the new Adam, Jesus Christ, life comes from the word of God. And in the last verse of the psalm, he is firm. I do not forget your commandments. Oh, but friends, we must not be mistaken The psalmist here is not relying, never does he rely on his own law-keeping for his righteous standing before the holy God. In the last verse, and before he vows never to forget the Lord's commandments, the psalmist confesses, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. It is foolish. It is utterly foolish to build your salvation on the sand of your law-keeping rather than on the solid rock, which is Christ the perfect law keeper. And is this not what the good shepherd has done for all that belonged to him? From eternity past, he, he saw the wandering sheep of Israel, these law-breaking sinners. He saw them in their estate of sin and misery. He saw them as hopeless, as desperate. He saw them even as hostile as enemies of God, his Father who is holy in heaven. He saw all of this. And what does he do? He comes to earth. He submits himself to the holy law of his Father, and he keeps it perfectly. And through his own compassionate heart, through his righteous law-keeping, he seeks the sheep to make peace between us and his holy Father in heaven. Christ is our peace. He is our peacemaker. He leaves the 99 to bring back the one. And when the sheep bites him, the shepherd brings it closer to his chest. When the prodigal sheep left him, he ran after him, embraced him. He didn't eat the sheep, but instead he ate a meal with the sheep for the joy of heaven filled his heart. He did this for John, who cried out decades ago, I am yours, save me. He did this for John, who daily confessed, I have gone astray like a lost sheep, seek your servant. As John does, did, indeed, as Jesus' disciples did 2,000 years ago, we say to the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom shall we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation, the Savior of sinners, gives his word of eternal life to all who come to him in faith and say, I am yours. Save me. God reveals himself to his saints, his holy ones, his chosen ones, his children. He reveals himself to us through his law. The good shepherd refuses to save his lost sheep only to leave them to themselves and their own sinful devices. No, instead, he fills our hearts with his words of instruction. The good shepherd of the sheep stays with the sheep and carries their burdens for them. As the psalmist asks in verse 9, he is assured that a young man can keep his way pure before God as long as he keeps in communion with a God whose ways are pure, whose paths are righteous. In verses 11 and 15, the psalmist says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. 
Oh, there is nothing like communion with the Lord. What joys of communion, no doubt, John and Mary Beth experienced for over 50 years. What blessed fellowship John had with his children, with countless others. And may the Lord bring these sweet memories to their minds over and over again. May their minds be flooded with God's goodness to them in these relationships. But oh, what fellowship. What sweet communion to have with your God. There's nothing that compares to that. There's no one better than the triune God. And so there's no greater fellowship than to have fellowship with him. In one of our final conversations, John told me that if there was one thing he could do differently, and I imagine there were many, but if there was one thing, it would be to pray more. It would be to enjoy the fellowship of Jesus, his Savior, his friend. And what a joy. What a glory now John experiences in uninterrupted communion. And it was this friend, this Savior, this shepherd who carried John along his whole life. It was the Lord's words that sustained the psalmist in verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. As a child of God living in a world full of thorns and thistles, John was bound to be poked. As a sinner, John was sure to experience some of the effects of his own waywardness. As a pastor who ministered in many churches and for decades, he knew well what every seminarian is taught in seminary, that there will be fiery darts of the devil, that you now have a target on your back. He knew that well. And as a man with failing health, John was destined to know pain and weakness. But God's promise gave him life. God's promise sustained him day after day. The Lord who sustained the psalmist was the word of God, Jesus the Christ, whose words of life sustained John, and not only John, but all who cast their burdens on him, all who entrust themselves into his care. And he has shown his capable care, hasn't he? His sovereign, powerful, gracious, shepherding hand in ushering his dear sheep into his glory. With his hands He has wiped away the the tears from John's eyes. All those tears that John had shed in this life. All those tears that God had kept in an unbreakable bottle. And as a good physician, Jesus has taken all of John's suffering and he has shown it to John to be a light and momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory that is overwhelming him even now. And though John's body lie in the ground, it remains united to the Christ in whose sight are the precious lives of his saints. He who is the resurrection and the life has not forgotten about this body. He will raise it up on the last day. He has assured John, he has assured all of us who are in Christ through his word of life and through his own resurrection that he will raise it from the dead. As G.K. Chesterton once said, we worship the God who knew his way out of the grave. Christ is the resurrection and the life. He is the first fruits 
of the resurrection of the dead. It is this Lord whom the psalmist was committed to declaring. In verse 13, he says, With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. And in verse 39, he says, Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies. Struck by the grace of God, the words of life from the Lord, the psalmist says, I will always tell people about you. When people come to me, I will show them you. I will direct them to you, O Lord. And struck by the grace from Christ, John devoted his whole life to telling others about Christ. His wife, his children, the people in his churches, his caregiver, the other dialysis patients. And through his final project, his desire was for others to see the Lord, to know the Lord, and to live with the life that the Lord has given in Christ. There is nothing better than knowing the Lord as our creator, as our sustainer, as our redeemer. And we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Surely, John is seeing his Savior as he is now. I wonder if you know him. I wonder if he knows you. Let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We worship you for the grace-filled word that you have revealed to us, your people. We thank you that through your law, you showed us your holiness, our sin, and our need of the perfect lawkeeper, Jesus Christ. We thank you that through your word, you have shown us how to be more like our beautiful Redeemer, who is the resurrection and the life. Assist us now to show strength of spirit and unrelenting trust in our God who raises the dead. Help us to comfort one another with words of hope. Mourning, yes, unmistakable grief without a doubt, countless tears to be sure. But mourning that is turned to joy at beholding the resurrected Savior as he takes us from one degree of glory to another. Grief that meets the unmitigated presence of God along with the saints in triumph and tears that are collected in the bottle of the man of sorrows who wipes them away with his gentle, reassuring, and resurrected hands. And we now pray together, Father, that prayer that our Lord Jesus has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's turn in our hymnals one final time to 693. Stand and sing, Blessed Assurance. This is my song. 
announcement before the benediction. There is a meal that is provided for us all, so do hang around and, and enjoy some food and conversation. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.